grab our Bibles. Let's grab our Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, just raise your hand and someone will pass one of those out to you. If you don't have a bulletin, also super helpful because notes on the back, right? So if you didn't get one of those on the way in, uh, just raise your hand. We'll get you a Bible or a bulletin. And then we're going to get sorted here. Got a few things we're going to sort through and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 10, 11, and 12 today. Just 10, 11, and 12 from 1 Peter chapter 1. And as you turn there, um, let me just briefly tell you what to expect, and then Brother Scott's going to come and, and read our sermon text for us. And, and what, what, here's what to expect. Peter is conveying to us that we as believers, we as those who have received the clear testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ, stand in a place of tremendous spiritual privilege. What does that mean? What does that mean? And how does Peter unpack that? Well, let's look at this passage together. Brother Scott, would you come and read our passage for us, and then we will jump in. All right, 1 Peter 1, 10 to 12. Concerning this salvation... The prophets who prophesied about the grace that, has to, uh, that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. This is the word of God. Amen. Spiritual privilege. Privileges. You know, the word privileges have been thrown around a lot, um, especially lately. Uh, what do we mean by privileges? Um, privileges, uh, or to be privileged, simply means that because of the effort and insight of others, I now am advantaged. Because of the effort or insight of others, I'm now advantaged. Um, I think of the gas log set that I installed this fall and been enjoying all winter long. And uh, yeah, I know, I, real fire is where it's at, but nothing beats the convenience of just going, hey. So many more fires happening in my house this winter. Here's the thing, though. I didn't plumb the house for gas. I didn't do that. Somebody else did that. There's actually people a generation ago who dug in the ground and laid pipes throughout the city, some of which terminate at my house and are plumbed all the way through my house. And, and a set of them it ends up at my gas fireplace, and the only thing that I did is I just put the gas logs in there and I turned it on. I didn't lay those pipes. I didn't plumb that house. Those are the efforts and the insights of other people, some long gone, that I now benefit from. 
I'm privileged. These are privileges. This is a good thing, not a bad thing. And I think another word for privileges is just blessings, right? This is a good thing. And Peter is saying, Peter is saying, you are the beneficiaries of the efforts and the insights of others. And that is something we should stand in with joy, with joy. Jesus says something similar to the disciples in Matthew 13. He turns to them and says, blessed, right? Privileged, advantaged, benefited are you. And your ears and your eyes, because there were many prophets and righteous people who wanted to hear what you're hearing, and they didn't. They wanted to see what you're seeing, and they didn't. And maybe that's exactly what's ringing through Peter's mind as he pens these words right here. As he says, look, I know that as exiles, as sojourners, as misfits in this world, you may feel like you have a low place. But you need to understand that you live and walk in the height of spiritual privilege. And you should rejoice about this. You should set your hope fully on this. This is a blessing to you. Now, his goal, and our goal this morning, is very affectional. Affectional. Peter's trying to get you to feel a certain way. Peter's trying to get you to feel a certain way. That's his goal. And, and, and this is, this is what, how he wants you to feel. He, he uses this term just prior to this passage, right? It's all in the flow of thought here. This is, how, this is how he wants you to feel. Verse 8. Rejoice with joy. Which is great, because I don't know if there's another way to rejoice. Rejoice with joy that's actually inexpressible. That's his goal. It's affectional, right? You should feel a certain way because of the privileges that are yours in Jesus Christ. You should rejoice with joy. And not only that, there's another way that you should feel. And that is the, in the verse that's just following our passage, right? He says in 13, Therefore, because of these things, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that's to be revealed. So here is his goal. Based on these privileges that are yours in Jesus Christ, these are good, these are blessings, you are benefited, and because of that, you should have a awe-filled joy and an action-oriented hope. An awe-filled joy and an action-oriented hope. So if we are going to uh, receive what Peter is conveying to us this morning, that means that we need to walk out of here with awe-filled joy and action-oriented hope. And by the look on some of your faces, it's going to be a long road this morning. 
And I just want to tell you, I'll work with you if you'll work with me. All right? But this is where the Holy Spirit is taking us this morning. Awe-filled joy and action-oriented hope based on these privileges. Now, why do I say privileges? We read it. We read it. Did you notice these three categories that Peter is using here in these three verses? Prophets, proclaimers, and angels. He's saying you've been served by these prophets of old. They were, they were serving not themselves, but you as they wrote, as they prophesied. And not only have you been served by the prophets of old, you've been served by whoever proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ to you. You're served by them and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he says, if you notice in the text. And not only that, he says, angels, this is, this is how privileged you are. The angels long to look into these things. They long to look into these things. Which is not to say that they're disallowed from looking at these things. They just enjoy it that much, right? This is, this is the amazing stuff. So let's jump into that. Let's jump into that. Awe-filled joy and action-oriented hope based off of these privileges. Let's start with prophets. Prophets, verses 10, really 10, 11, and 12, the start of 12 at least. We, we, here's, here's the point. Here's the thing. We tend to think of the prophets of old as sort of closer to the action, you know? Man, Elijah, he had it going on. Isaiah, what did they see? They, the things they saw. And Peter's saying, no, you actually have it backwards. They're not closer to the action. You, you are the beneficiaries. He says, concerning the salvation that he's been talking about already, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be whose? Yours. Searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating, right? Inquiring carefully, longingly, like Jesus put it in Matthew 13, longingly they inquired. As the Spirit was at work, the Bible uses the term here, Spirit of Christ, uh, also Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, right? The Spirit carried along these prophets, revealing to them Things about this gospel, which we can see clearly now, they saw shadows. They saw shadows, and they wrote as the Spirit gave them utterance that we would understand better this Christ who we now know. Let, 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 me, uh, let me give an illustration for my illustration, I am going to do a drawing. Yeah, I got a whiteboard and everything. And uh, here's what I'm supposed to do, like that. I'm, oops, and like that. We'll see if it works. Um, the prophets, again, whom we tend to think of as so much closer to the act are actually serving you who have received this gospel. 
So you can kind of think of it this way. Okay, here, here we go. Here's my whiteboard. It's already set up. We've got the whole frame of redemptive history here. I got my sunshine. Yeah? Got an A-plus from an art teacher on this one. Right? <laughs> and so here, we live in the light of the gospel. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ has been proclaimed to us. We know who. We know what time. And yet the prophets of old, by the Holy Spirit, could perceive something of these things, yet they only had shadows. All right, there's my shadow. So as the Spirit carried them along and revealed to them these things, they operated in this space here, right? As they wrote, there's going to be one who crushes the snake. His heel will be bruised, but someone has to crush the power of the enemy. There will be a suffering servant, and he will bless the Lord. There has to be an offspring of Abraham through whom all the nations will be blessed, right? The prophets operated understanding the types and the shadows, writing these things out so that when the Christ was revealed, they served us by making it obvious who he was and what he had to do. And so that when he did it, we realized this is the one. This is the anointed one. The prophets serve not themselves, but you. All right, that's about all the drawing you're going to get from me. Um, you can turn that off. There, we live, we operate in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ that the prophets served us by explaining all that he would need to suffer and his subsequent glories. So much so that when Christ died, rose, and his disciples were confused, didn't understand what the prophets had written, though they had read the shadows and the types that had been captured by the prophets who were carried along by the Spirit and had read those things when Christ did suffer and died, they were confused. They were distraught and discouraged. And the risen Christ meets them you know, on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. And what does he say to them? He says to them, O oh, foolish ones, they didn't recognize him yet. He'd kept them from recognizing him until he gave them this instruction. Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Peter is saying this. 
you are being served by all that the scriptures have, all the scriptures have spoken up until this point, up until the revelation of Jesus Christ, up until his death and resurrection. You are served by all these things. And now you stand in this privileged place of knowing the gospel. I remember where I was when I realized. I was, I was listening, my earbuds in. I was up in my parents' loft at their house in Corpus Christi. I was listening to uh, someone teach the Bible, and I'm realizing it's that, that awe and that joy is just kind of starting to work through me as I'm realizing how Christ how Christ is the greater temple. Remember how he spoke of himself? Something greater than the temple. He says, I am the temple. I am the place where God and man meet and are reconciled. That's me. And, and, and as how I came to realize that Christ is the one who crushes the head of the snake, though he be bruised. And how I came to realize that Christ is the greater Adam, Adam in whom all were thrust into sin, but in Christ all who are in Him are thrust into righteousness. Coming to realize how Christ is the offspring of Abraham through whom all the nations of the world will be blessed. And this is what Peter is, is commanding. What he's calling you to. That kind of awe-filled joy as you realize the ways in which the prophets have served you. Raises the question, really. Why you? Why you? We have our answer, actually. It's in this first chapter. Why you? Let me... Just make clear before we read it, why not? It's, here's, here's the, the, here are the wrong reasons. It's not because we are better morally. The Bible tells us. It's not that we're better culturally. It's not that we're wiser. It's not that we're stronger. If we were to come away with any of those conclusions about our morals or our culture or our wisdom or our strength, we would completely miss the point of why us. You want to know why us? Verse 3. According to his great, what does it say? Mercy. That's it. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy to the praise of his glorious grace, says in Ephesians. This is why us, because God has chosen to show mercy on us. So he gets the glory and not us. Praise God, because that's where it belongs. We have been served, we have been benefited, we have been privileged by the prophets of old, they have served us. And our response, rejoice with joy. Rejoice with joy. 
Well, that's not the only person who, or people who have served us. There's also this in the next part of verse 12. We haven't just been served by prophets. It's not just the prophets who have shown us this place of privilege in which we stand. It's also proclaimers. Proclaimers. He says in this next part of verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have been announced to you, proclaimed to you, through those who preach the good news, proclaimed the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Here's the thing. The fact that the Holy Spirit sent anyone at all to proclaim the gospel to you shows how you are in a place of privilege. The Spirit has chosen for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be proclaimed to you and having received it, to stand in grace. This is the Spirit's work. You can see that it's the Spirit's work in the in the prophetic word, right? You see that in the, in the earlier verses. Right? The Spirit of Christ is at work within them to serve you. And the Holy Spirit is at work within anyone who has proclaimed the gospel to you. The Spirit has been at work. And you've received the benefit. You've received the benefit. It's um, another thing to reflect on, as Peter is encouraging us to do, reflect on and rejoice with joy over. Rejoice with joy over the receiving of that proclamation. Whether that be from uh, a pulpit on a Sunday morning, whether that proclamation uh, happened over a cup of coffee with a friend, whether that proclamation happened while you were sitting Uh, on the bed with your parents, and they were explaining to you the truth about Jesus. The Spirit is at work in that proclamation, and the Spirit is at work in that reception as well. It's it's awe-inspiring, really. And you know, the Spirit is not only at work in the receiving that that you have done, the Spirit's also at work in the proclaiming that you will do. Right? This, those who announced to you through the good news sent by the Holy Spirit, right? That may be you for someone else in another time and place. Whether it is in your small group as you encourage someone through the truth of the gospel, or with a neighbor or a, a, an office mate, some acquaintance. As you open up your mouth, and, and I, I always do this before I share the gospel, I just say, all right, God, you got to do this. Right? That's, that's my sophisticated prayer. Okay, God, you got to do that. you got to do this. And open up my mouth and say, and, and proclaim, announce the good news. Announce these things. And the Spirit does His work. The Spirit does His work. What are these things, by the way? The, the text says, serving not themselves, but you, 
in the things that have now been announced to you. And then he, he mentions that term again later, things into which angels long to look. What are the things? It's a pretty vague term. I mutter it to myself when I get up in the morning. Time to do the things. It's usually before I've had any coffee. Or, or like the meme says, first I have the coffee, then I do the things. Right? Um, what are the things that Peter is referring to? Well, he says, indicating when he predicted, that is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glory. The sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. These are the things that have been announced to you. These are the things in which the angels long to look. Has it not been announced to you that to cleanse you from sin, he suffered by becoming sin? To rescue you from judgment, he suffered by entering into judgment? That to save you from spiritual death, Christ entered into spiritual death? He suffered these things. He suffered the humiliation of becoming man so that now he is the one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. Sufferings and glories. You have life in Christ because he conquered death. You stand guiltless before a holy God because Christ made you clean. Christ reigns in heaven now and he will come, King of kings and Lord of lords, sufferings and subsequent glories. Have these things not been announced to you? That you would walk in repentance and trust in his name. That is what has been proclaimed to you. Preached, announced by the Holy Spirit. That is what is at work right now. That he is at work in my mouth, in your ears, in the hearts of all who perceive the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, his sufferings and his glories, that you would trust in his name. My prayer is that you, having trusted in him, would be a proclaimer very soon to those who do not know him, and to those who do. That you would open up your mouth, and you may pray the same prayer I do. God, you got to do this. And then you would step out in faith that the Spirit himself would be at work in the things that you proclaim. Privileged. Privileged to hear it. Privileged to speak it. Well, that privilege doesn't just show up in the way the prophets have served us. That privilege doesn't just show up in the way that 
the gospel has been proclaimed to us, it also shows up in this, that these are the things in, that the angels long to look into. The angels. Do you realize how fascinating the gospel is? It says this. Preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. It's kind of surprising because I think it's rather common for some people at least to be intrigued by the workings of angels. Right? They're mysterious, don't know that much about them and their work. I mean, it's just, we're talking about a completely spiritual being and a spiritual work, and we don't see it or understand it that well, so it's easy to be intrigued. Guess what the angels are intrigued by? The angels are captivated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The angels are floored, fascinated, that God has saved these people by means of God the Son becoming like them and being judged on their behalf, dying, resurrecting, and welcoming them into life with Him. That's mind-blowing. And it doesn't just blow the minds of the angels. It blows the minds of the demons. It's not, they're not cheering. They're just like, oh, what a play. Right? Ephesians 3, Ephesians 3, it's a long flow of thought and I'm going to try to just sort of like pick it up in the middle as, as Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, he says, um, to bring light for everyone, bring to light what is, for everyone what has been the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that, verse 10, so that through the church, these people, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Probably referring to fallen angels. Certainly angels, maybe both uh, those who serve the living God and those who have rebelled. Uh, but because of the way he uses, his, uses that term later in Ephesians, probably he's talking about fallen angels. Either way, the gospel is like just replayed over and over again on the Angel Sports Center highlight reel. Just like, what? So like whether you're cheering for that team or you're just, you just you've been played, either way, the manifold wisdom of God is on display amongst his people because of the saving work of his grace in Jesus Christ all of the heavenly beings are going mind blown those beings which we consider so intriguing captivating which whom we consider to be maybe privileged in some way so that's not how they feel about it these are the things that they long to look into. We 
should then feel this action-oriented hope and this awe-filled joy as we grow in sanctification. Right? There is a work, there is a work going on in you by a power that fascinates angels and flabbergasts demons. And as we grow in him, we, gr- we should move forward, not in a, discouraged ba- in a discouraged way, but with an action-oriented hope. God is doing this thing through a fascinating work and an awe-filled joy. God is doing this thing. Well, lastly, as we wrap up, I think it might be helpful since we've spoken of rather um, lofty things, right? The Old Testament prophets, angels, and this intangible joy and hope that Peter is spurring us towards. Maybe it would be helpful to just lay out a few really practical ways this gets worked out. I can think of lots of examples. I'm going to give you five just examples in which we might live out this joy and this hope. Um, Here are my examples. In studying, in proclaiming, in receiving, in battling, and in misfitting. Studying, proclaiming, receiving, battling, and misfitting. Here's what I mean. Peter is is calling us to this joy and this hope based on these benefits that we live in, these advantages, these privileges that have been served up to us by the prophets. And yet, we open up the scriptures and we don't see all the connections. In fact, it may be in January, as the odometer rolled around, you're like, okay, I'm going to start a Bible reading plan. I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. Good thing to do. I've done it different ways. Usually, if we're going to read from the beginning to the end, we get to about Leviticus and four more chapters of that, and we're just like, ah. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I mean, understandable. If you don't understand how these reflect the excellencies and the glories of Christ, and it takes a few passes, like, it, it's easy to get bogged down. If you don't understand, you don't understand. If you don't see the connections, you don't see the connections. If you do, you might be having those joy-filled moments of the Scriptures coming alive connected to the gospel of Jesus Christ, but if not, I mean, just, here's something I would advocate. Here's something I would push for. Um, this year, maybe, you, you want to read, uh, have a Bible reading plan that, that moves around. There's a plan called the McShane plan. I've done it a few times. This is, this is where I'm at this year, doing the McShane plan. Instead of reading four chapters in a row, it moves you around, right? So you start in one of the earlier uh, passages in, in the Old Testament, moves you to a gospel, moves you uh, back to a minor prophet, and then moves you to uh, an epistle, right? 
so that you're reading four chapters in different places. And it's amazing how as you read across the scriptures, you see these themes that run all the way through. Like, how will God receive me, an unfaithful spouse? It's one of the themes of Scripture is infidelity. Your cheating heart, right? And all throughout the Old Testament, you see this theme of infidelity. You think, like, that's me. And then in the Gospel of Jesus Christ, it's revealed. This is how. You, uh, you might use a, an app called Dwell. I really like it. It's an app called Dwell. It's an audio Bible app. And the thing about that is it's really put together in a sophisticated way. And you can just pick that plan. I'm going to use the McShane plan. And then you can listen to Rosie read it to you. And you can have your Bible open. And you can go follow along. And uh, she moves you along. Right? Just wanted to get really, really practical about the ways in which this joy and this hope, which Peter's trying to lay out before us, which so easily gets lost, right? We lose focus. We, we take our eyes for a moment. For a moment, we had our eyes on the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then, I lost it, right? How do we keep it? Studying. How about this? Proclaiming. Proclaiming. As we step out in action-oriented hope and awe-filled joy, let it be through proclaiming also proclaiming. As you interact with your small group and you open up your mouth and you, and you pray, God, you're going to have to do this, and you open up your mouth and you remind people in your small group of the gospel of Jesus Christ who, like so many of us, each week can lose sight of its glory for a moment. Let God work through you by the power of the Holy Spirit to proclaim this truth, and not just with the people in your small group, but the people on your street. God, you got to do this and open up your mouth and speak to them of spiritual things with awe. Have an action-oriented hope. God's at work. Here's number three, receiving. Studying, proclaiming, receiving. Well, you know, you might be on the proclaiming end at some of the times, but other times you're on the receiving end, like you are right now. Like you are right now. You know, as I prayed before I got up here, God, you got to do this. Um, you should pray the same prayer as you're sitting down to receive the word. God, you got to do this. <laughs> you got to open up my ears. You got to open up my heart. I have been served by the Holy Spirit in these, your prophecies, your word opened up to me. Lord, can I receive this with awe-filled joy? Same thing in small group. As you sit down and scriptures are opened up and you're about to hear from one another and you're in the receiving, you might as well pray that prayer right then. God, you got to do this. Studying, proclaiming, receiving. Here's number four, battling. Battling. In your battle against besetting sin, in your battle against besetting sin, 
we should fight with awe-filled joy that it is the Holy Spirit at work within us who's making us more like Jesus. You don't need to fight discouraged. It's not just you and sin. Mano y mano. No, no, no. He has finished the fight. He's finished the fight. And you can step forward in your battle with awe-filled joy and an action-oriented hope as you become more like Him. Those glories are going to be revealed. You will be made like Him. Lastly, this, misfitting. Misfitting. Peter has already called the recipients of this letter exiles. And we are too. Misfit to this world. But we receive the eye rolls with an action-oriented hope, knowing that as we don't fit in this world and don't fit with its desires and its priorities, He is fitting you for another one. He's fitting you for Himself. Do not be discouraged by the way you don't fit in this world. Be encouraged that He is fitting you for Himself. And receive that with joy and with hope. 